G'day, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to your Michael Jackson podcast, the MJ Cast. This is episode 17. Today's record date is Saturday, the 3rd of October. And today we're going to be talking about newly released Michael Jackson vocals, the new Jermaine Jackson single, Summertime Feeling, new album, Unbreakable from Janet, the Jacksons' next generation. We'll have a wrap up from Kingvention 2015. The Unity album is not qualified by the Latin Grammys and so much more on this episode of the MJ Cast. The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's, that's one of my favorite things. I love you! <laughs> I love my fans. Just simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to your Michael Jackson podcast, the MJ cast, news and discussion on the King of Pop and the Jacksons. I'm Q, your co-host, and today our co-host is Dan Vigilobos. Dan, how are you? Hey, Q. Um, I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm so, so relieved and happy that you're joining me on this episode. Thank you so much from both myself and from Jamin. We truly appreciate it and all the work that um, you've done so far and that you will be doing to bring everyone this episode 17 of the MJ cast. So thank you. Not a problem. Thank you. So yeah, Jamin is away and we're holding down the fort. Jamin's basically away on his own history world tour, um, (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty cool. So he's over probably in your time zone at the moment. Yeah, he's here in Europe, right? Yeah, I'm not sure what country he's in currently, um, but he's... He's one of the, uh, the the sort of heads of department at his school and for the history um, class, then he's one of the people that will take the kids on excursions. And uh, this year they're off to Europe to see different historical things and learn history over there in the actual places, which is awesome. I can't even imagine what a kind of school trip that would have been for me. But wow. Did you ever do anything like that? Um no um I well we went to went to France a couple of times but not you know not a big tour like that um he's probably seen things more than more than I have or you know I would imagine by by now <laughs> I think you've been you're quite well traveled now though as well yeah but your Europe is still eluding me <laughs> it's on your doorstep I know <laughs> it's I should, just I should there. Get around like to it's it. a train ride away yeah <laughs> so Dan tell us a little bit about yourself um, well, I've uh, been a long-time fan um, since I can remember. I was born in Mexico, and um, and I came to the UK when I was a child, when I was eight years old, and um, and yeah, I've recently been living in Australia, and now I'm back in the UK. I specialize in uh, production, in music production, sound engineering, and uh, anything to do with audio, really. I just sort of chop up or... <laughs> turn into something so 
That's me. <laughs> you would have loved it then talking to um, to Brad Sundberg. Of course, you were my rescue co-host <laughs> on the uh, Brad Sundberg special we had recently when um, Jamin's uh, Skype was not behaving at all and you were my co-host then. So you would have loved hearing all that sound engineering technical yeah. stuff from Brad. Yeah, all the technical stuff, all the uh, all the tidbits, you know, the behind the behind the scenes and everything that he shares, I I always sort of soak in. And um, yeah, it was a real privilege to be on the show and to to listen to him talk for sure. That was a that was a great episode, actually. I yeah. think um, it, we had some great feedback from that. So um, so if people are listening and you want to write to us, please do. The MJCast at iCloud.com is our email. Um, the MJCast is uh, also on Twitter at, at the MJCast. The MJCast.com is our companion website. Um, subscribe and rate, review our show on iTunes, and tell your MJ mates about us too. Uh, we're on Instagram as the MJCast and also over on Tumblr at the MJCast.tumblr.com and under the MJ cast, we are also on YouTube also. So yeah, find us on all those places. Just uh, speaking about um, the Brad Sumberg special that you were uh, co-host on with me um, a little while ago, Brad's got on October 9, 10 and 11, another in the studio with MJ event happening in the Thriller Villa. That's the, the house that Michael lived in while he was in um, Las Vegas. I think it's Hacienda Palomino yes. is the name of the house. I think so. so head to in the studio with MJ.com for tickets to see Michael's team of Brad Sunberg, Brad Buxer, and Michael Prince over three days, October 9, 10, and 11 in Las Vegas at the Thriller Villa. So head to in the studio with MJ.com to check that out if you're in Vegas or around the area because tickets are strictly limited, so don't miss out because that would be an incredible, incredible event. Yeah, I am I am so excited about, about that event. I'm not even in the United States. Like I I'm freaking out about like the possibility of, you know, for people to go into that space and to be in front of those people and oh you know, yeah, the stories that they're pretty gonna, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like the what things that you learn. And, and, yeah, yeah, the experiences they had, and yeah, that would be awesome. Lucky people, if anyone goes, hit us up, send us an email at the MJCast at iCloud dot com, yeah. and let us know all about it. Go and make me jealous, please, someone. Make go. all <laughs> of us jealous. Yeah, <laughs> get your money's worth. <laughs> So we've had a lot. I know you've been really, really busy with work and everything, but since we had our last episode out, um, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of stuff happening. It's been hard to sort of keep track of everything and even to sort of um, to whittle down the show notes for today's episode. So how about we start with something that happened probably not too long after our show actually last time, which was um, – Singer Ciara performed a cover of Heal the World on The View to commemorate the 14th anniversary of um, the 9-11 attacks. Did you have a chance to watch her Heal the World cover performance? I did, yeah. Um, it's, it was very nice. It was uh, you know, very tasteful and performed very well, I thought. Um, yeah, me too. And, totally agree. Yeah, and I think it's always nice you know, to, to hear Michael's sort of philanthropic anthems uh, back on television, I think. Um, yeah, it's not really done much, is it? No. People sort of would stick to covering the the big sort of tentpole 
hits that he had. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it was really cool to hear like a, a different version of Heal the World. It was it was obviously a lot faster than Michael's version, I noticed. It was sped up quite a bit and it wasn't a, the complete song. It had been edited down a bit as well, I think a few verses yeah, it dropped. Jumps, yeah, it jumps straight to the to the last section. Yeah. But she did, yeah, very classy. Um, she's got a great voice and it was it was really only accompanied by a piano and three backup singers. Yeah. So it was a simple cover, which I think is sometimes nice, you know, strip it back. Yeah, it's quite nice. I mean, I haven't seen Ciara for a long time, actually. I haven't. Um, she did. Ciara was, did the Janet um, tribute right. at an award show this year, I think. Yeah. We spoke about it. And that was incredible to watch as well. She can dance. Wow. That yeah. was great. I, I caught that on YouTube. That was pretty awesome. But, um, yeah, no, she did a good job. So uh, in the show notes, we will have the YouTube link to the performance that Ciara did of Heal the World on The View. But, yeah, I think overall it was quite well done. It was a nice cover. And, yeah, like ex- such a good point that you made. It was, it was just so great to see one of his anthem songs mm-hmm. being put out there. And especially, you know, Heal the World, you know, a lot of people would s- sort of not even think twice about listening to that song if they're not a fan because it's so um, – really opposite to any other sort of song on the radio or popular music. It was such um, a sweet and unique piece and quite simple in its message that it was probably ignored by a lot of people. So it was good that, you know, she dug this out um, and and presented it to people that might not have thought about the message. Mm-hmm. So um, put, put simply like that. So, yeah, cool. Check that out. Let us know what you thought of Ciara's cover of Heal the World. So just – after the last um, episode, we we sort of talked about the off the wall. Um, what is it? Off the wall thirty that has been rumoured. Yeah. Um, and just on Twitter, we were talking about it, and one of our um, Twitter and Facebook friends at um, MJ Book Club, who is an Australian who organises great little fan meetings uh, for like book club, like you take like people. Um, discuss MJ books and then there's like a theme. I think they've got a thriller theme coming up for Halloween at one of their meetings and she's touring around Australia over the next year doing different book club meetings and, and we're saying what a great idea that is for fans to organise something like that. And she mentioned to us that she had heard from Sony that they were not doing anything for Michael's birthday obviously but they were planning something special for Michael in October. Right. Jamin thought, oh, maybe that's an off-the-wall anniversary. I've got an idea. What do you think? If Sony were planning something at the moment for October, what would you think it might be? Um, it's a tricky one. I mean, it, the, the natural thing for me to think about is, uh, is a thriller or something around that sort of that theme, sort of a zombie-type scary, ghoulish theme. Yeah. Um, but obviously they've concentrated on that um, for the Thriller 25 and obviously after Michael passed away. So I'm not sure, actually. I mean, Off the Wall will be, will be good, but I don't actually have a solid idea. How about you? Well, it is fun to speculate, and I went immediately to what you were thinking as well, which is like Thriller because of Halloween mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And October um, is basically Thrillerween for Michael fans, Thrillerween or Thriller, thriller Night, as I like to call it, 
um, which is awesome that I always see um, MJ fam out there celebrating Thriller Night. I, if they are actually planning anything for October, I would hope and like to think it might be some sort of Thriller event because not long ago there were some rumours about Thriller uh, being converted to 3D. Right. And maybe having a sort of limited cinema release or something to that effect. So that would be pretty cool if that was this year because that's like only, you know, a couple of weeks away. Oh, that's right. Was it this year that John Landis confirmed that the 3D thing was happening? Like early this year yeah. or was it last year? Yeah. I don't no, it was earlier this year okay. that we heard. I'm pretty sure John Landis confirmed that there was yeah. something happening. I don't know if that was for a release this year or if it was for next year, but – yeah, I'm sort of putting two and two together and I'm hoping I'm getting Thriller because, yeah, that would be really cool. Mm, Especially sure. if it was like a limited Thriller like cinema release. That would be amazing, yeah, to see it on the big screen. I saw Ghosts on the big screen. When it came out? On the- yeah, when it came okay. out back in 97, I had to buy um, the History album. And you got like an invitation to the Ghosts premiere in whatever city you were in, if it was one of those eligible cities. And it was this nice white and purple sort of invitation. And uh, there was a city cinema right in the middle of the sort of CBD here in Perth, which is sadly gone now. Um, But, yeah, they did like a big Ghosts sort of premiere screening. And then I think they screened it for a limited run. I'm like going to say no more than a week, maybe only a couple of sessions a day. Um, I only got to see it sort of at that um, invitation event. But, yeah, so I did see Ghosts on there. And it was the original version of Ghosts when it didn't have Is It Scary in it or even the song Ghosts might have been in it at the end in the credits, but mainly the whole film was based around the song Too Bad. Okay. And some of the effects, the facial um, special effects, when he morphed into like the ghoul mare and stuff, they were different as well. Right, right. That's Around Halloween, I'll, I'll share the link to the um, – there is a version of that on YouTube, which you can search for now if you want. But otherwise, around Halloween time, I'll actually dig that link up and I'll share that out. Uh, yeah, because it was like an early version of Ghost, which would have been the one that was premiered at the Cannes Film Festival as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, which sense. Michael looked amazing at. But, yeah, sort of then when it came out, they would had sort of changed the music a bit They'd put in Is It Scary and different mixes over the top. But, yeah, it would be awesome to see Thriller on the big screen. And if it was a very well done and respectful 3D conversion, that would be pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. And if they managed to um, to add you know bits and pieces from the making of somehow, oh, because yes. we're still waiting for uh, – some sort of release, you know, DVD release or a Blu-ray release or yes, USB got stick release, anything. <laughs> the documentary there ready to go. And at the time it was the biggest selling like video cassette ever. Yeah. So it's right there ready for us to enjoy again and better quality, please. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe nothing will happen. Things happen and get planned and cancel all the time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, thanks for that little tip at – MJ Book Club. Um, it was fun to speculate. And yeah, fingers crossed that we do get something awesome out of that little rumor. 
So the Jacksons performed at proms in the park this year. Your timeline would have been filled with all of the uh, the excitement about that, I imagine, being over there in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw on Facebook and uh, lots of people were writing about it. And I, I couldn't I, I couldn't go, unfortunately. I had uh, other events that that day. Um, but I did catch some of it on uh, on YouTube and whatnot. And uh, it looked pretty... Pretty pretty epic. <laughs> they did a good job. Yeah. That was a huge crowd. Yeah, yeah. It was a, crowd. I think it was like a all day thing. You know, there were other artists and, and bands before them, but um, you know, it's always good to see people still enjoying Jackson's music. I think. Absolutely, yeah. It's like a huge festival, yeah. and it was the proms in the park. That's the final night of the proms, is it? Yes. Yeah. So it's like a it's sort of the the biggest headline that you could have for that for that festival um, wow well yeah what what other artists would you want other than the jacksons <laughs> so there was yeah jermaine marlon tito and jackie performing um i saw plenty of videos there's so many videos out there of the event they did an incredible job i don't know how long the set was because it looked like they did a good number of tracks yeah i'm not sure whether they um whether they had like an adapted um, set list from their tour um, that they that they take on the road or like it seemed that they didn't hurry stuff along there was I could see a video of Marlon um, sort of really interacting with the crowd and getting them all to you know chant things and and clap their hands and you know repeat after me you know Marlon make a funky or something he was saying <laughs> and so they weren't sort of rushing it. They sort of were sort of reveling it in it. And that, I think it was, was it Shake Your Body? Um, that song goes for ages yeah. and it didn't – like the video that I was watching was like 12 minutes long or something. So it didn't seem they were going to edit that down, which is good. They do like the full performance. And, yeah, the crowd really, really got into it. We um, know some people that went. We know uh, Samar that went and Charles, I think. Yeah, Charles went, I'm pretty sure. Um, and our friend Sil Matilla went as well. And he wrote a blog over on silmotilla.com um, called Honouring Heroes. So check our show notes and uh, read Sil's incredible writing that he always does, um, speaking pretty much from every fan's heart, I think, um, about seeing the Jacksons and what that experience was like. Did you get a chance to read it? Um, yeah, I had a look at it yesterday, and it's um, it's a really good little insight. It's more, you know, a personal insight into the show, and um, getting the perspective from him or from Sil uh, every time sort of gets you. I think um, it's very unique. He does write unique. from that that personal perspective. Like, yeah. obviously, he's a fan, so it's going to be you know about being a fan and experiencing it. But he just managed to capture the uh, emotions of these experiences so well. Yeah, for sure. I think um, for anyone wanting to sort of get, get a get a feel for what it was like to be there, um, definitely check out his blog. So good to see the brothers still performing. I do hope their current tour comes down under to Australia because I won't be missing them because their show last time was incredible. You saw them? Oh, yeah. I did. I did. And then I met them uh, the next day as they flew out at the airport. I wasn't there for work. It wasn't work-related. I just went to the airport because I, like, thought, well, they're flying to this city (laughs) next. And I caught them and um, I got them to autograph my Victory LP. 
Oh, great. Awesome. Which is awesome. Um, and I got Jermaine to autograph his book as well that uh, my brother Michael, I think it was, yeah. So I got him to autograph that. So that's really special. But they were absolute gentlemen. Um, yeah, they were so polite and respectful and humble. And, oh, it was incredible meeting them. I was, like, blown away. I didn't want to get a photo with them, though, because I hate photos of myself and I never look, never happy with how I look. So I was like, I'm not going to get a photo with them. I just <laughs> would be so happy to get an autograph if I could. And I yeah. was just so lucky and blessed that I could get all four of them to yeah, sign, that's... like, the Victory album. That's a that's a gr- that's a great experience, all in one. All in one, it yeah. was pretty cool. So uh, th- there's so many new Jacksons sort of music out there as well at the moment. So the next thing we're going to talk about is Jermaine Jackson has a new track out. It's called Summertime Feeling. It's out on iTunes. He's got a little sample up on our, uh, Vivo and YouTube. Have you heard the new Jermaine Jackson song, Dan? Um, I've heard the, 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 the teaser. I haven't heard it in full. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, I can't comment on the full, on the full version, I'm afraid. <laughs> but it's it sounds, really it sounds nice. like a really, it sounds like a, um, like a throwback to Motown type vibe, you know, from what I heard anyway. Is that, yeah, is that I th- right? Yeah, it has got that sort of classic feel to it. It's, yeah, I, I think that the training they got at Motown, I think, is, sort of so ingrained in them, not only in their live performance and their showmanship, but in their music and tune and melody and things like that. I think the the, the beautiful, simple melody in this, yeah, does sort of harken back to Motown melodies. It's a really beautiful song. Um, it's really nice. It's, I think, some of his best work for a long time. Yeah, it's um, it's great that they're they're back into it. You know, I I really enjoyed some of Jermaine's stuff, um, his solo um, material back in the uh, back in the eighties. Oh, there's so, some great like, songs in his back catalogue. Yeah, and duets as well, like the yeah, Adora duets and Whitney Houston duet. Yeah, I mean he was he was going for it, you know, and um, and, it, and then suddenly the nineties came along, and I was like, where's where's more Jermaine <laughs> music? Um, so it's it's great that he. I think Tito has got new music too, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. So Tito's got new music, and it's it's great to hear them again. It is, um, but yeah. So we we'll have links in the show notes to um, the the YouTube clip for Jermaine's summertime feeling song. But yeah, it's awesome. Um, it's with the sort of new Jackson stuff coming out. I think even when Michael was still around it was really hard to sort of hear a lot of this stuff on the radio. But we sort of forget that we can actually tell the radio stations what we want added to their playlists. So if the Jermaine Jackson song, which is wouldn't be like, you know, your top 40 sort of mainstream hits station, but your more easy listening station, why don't you contact them and tell them to add Summertime Feeling to the playlist? Because it would totally suit. It's a really great song. It would really stand with anything that's current in sort of the easy listening category. 
So, yeah, I think people should sort of contact the radios. Same as like Janet stuff. I haven't actually heard any of the new Janet stuff on the radio, have you? Um, I may have heard a couple of songs, um, I think after No Sleep came out and then on break. Yep. I might have heard No Sleep on the radio, but um, not, I haven't listened to the radio too much in the last few weeks, so I haven't um, heard much of anything. But I got the album yesterday, so... I'm just starting we're to get be, into it, yeah. <laughs> we're going to be talking about that a little bit later. Cool. I picked it up today as well. But, yeah, people, you know, write in or email, contact your radio stations. A lot of radio stations have an app now. So maybe search yeah. your radio station in um, the app store or whatever. Yeah, tweet them and tell them that you want to hear these songs on the radio because there's no reason they shouldn't be on the radio. Definitely. So... Also happening recently was the first Kingvention, Michael Jackson convention. Um, um, and it was the first one this year, and hopefully it was such a success that it'll come back and happen again next year. But we're going to cross over now to our roving reporter, Jay Hoffman from Cardiff in the UK. And he was at Kingvention 2015, and he's going to tell you all about it. Hi there, Jamin and Q. My name's Jay. I'm from Cardiff in the UK. And the reason why I'm speaking with you today is because I was lucky enough to attend um, Kingvention in London over the weekend. Um, I'd been looking forward to this for quite some time and um, was happy to be going with my friend Susie, Susie Michael, recently. So we 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 get to London and we head down to the Park Plaza Hotel in Victoria in London, and as we go down the stairs to where convention was being held, there were the sound of drums, and it was a local London band of drummers called Batala. I think that's how you say it, um, and they were playing. They don't care about us. I mean, it was amazing. There were about thirty or forty drummers all there playing, they don't care about us, as loud as, as loud as can be. I'm sure Michael would have loved it. There was a um, a Michael Jackson um, impersonator there as well, and he was whipping the crowd into a little bit of a frenzy whilst they were um, performing They Don't Care About Us. It was a great, a great way to start the day, and we got treated to that drum special two or three times that day so that people that were late could um, actually get to hear it as well. Um, once that was over, we headed towards the King of Shop merchandise area and it was like a, um, how would you say, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for Michael fans because there there was loads of stuff there. I mean, you had T-shirts, rare items. There was a guy there that was um, an artist and you could buy um, original artwork of his. I can't remember his name now, but um, I'm sure I'll be able to find it somewhere. And then we moved on to... The actual day, the event, there were three guest speakers and they threw one surprise guest in. His name was Eddie Wolf, and he was famous for taking the photographs of um, Janet and Michael during Scream, which is great. Um, there were three other guests then. One, The first one that we saw was a guy called Rob Hoffman, um, and it was great to see him because, you know, he's like the an engineer with Michael and he's worked with him on, on quite a few of his main albums. Um, and he talked about what Michael's worth ethic was like and what he was like to work with. And 
he he told us a quite quite a funny story about how how at one point when he was working with Michael during um, They Don't Care About Us, he said he would go into work and it would feel painful for him. Um, and we were all sort of like, oh, why would it be painful? Um, anyway, the reason that he said it was painful is because Michael used to love to have the music up so loud that he said the music would be so loud and his, his ears would be um, compressing through the loudness that Michael would like to have the music played so loud which is a funny story for us to listen to and be able to feel closer to Michael with. Um, the second guest was Diane Walzak, and I think she's, fam- well, she's famous for um, creating the, the history statue that appeared on the front of the album cover. Um, and she was, you know, gushing after Michael. She, she loved him. I mean, she worked with him quite closely during that period. And she talked about wanting to create a 30-foot bronze of the History Tour statue because she feels that it was time for it to be... time for some for the fans to have somewhere to go to pay respects to Michael. And she she's right, I think. I think we, we do need something like that. Um, furthermore, she went on to say how how Michael left a mark on her and she, she even named one of her children um, Jackson. Um, and that was because she was pregnant whilst she was creating the statue, which was a lovely little touch, I thought. Um, and then the third guest was Jonathan Morish. Bless him, he he was in a bit of a rush because he was, he'd was he been on holiday with his wife and he literally arrived in London that afternoon and he, did, he didn't arrive into the hotel till like five past four, so he was a little flustered and everything. But um, this guy, I mean, it was a gr- it was great to see him. I mean, he's he's known and worked with Michael since nineteen seventy six, and he told us one little story about how um, he was with Michael on tour one time, and he was with his daughter Mimi, I think she said he said she was called, and he was talking about how how caring and wonderful Michael was, and the fact that he spent time with his daughter, and and at this particular concert, he. He dedicated um, human nature to her, and he was really moved and touched by that. I mean, he had loads of other stuff to say, but this was the main story. He said um, that he was that he remembers Michael by how he used to just care for everyone. And um, if I was thinking of all the all the, all of the guests, they all sort of kept that in mind, and they they would say how Michael was so focused how he would always show love to other people it didn't matter where he was he was always consistent um and very very kind wonderful compassionate person and you know obviously that makes the fans there then love michael even more i suppose um so yeah it was really great to see all of those those um people that uh had first-hand experience of michael and for the for the fans that don't to be able to get to um you know get a bit more insight into Michael and understand how he worked and how he was and, you know, it's not all the stuff that's in the media. Um, so that was great anyway. And plus everyone got a chance then to speak with speak with or have photographs and autographs done with, with all the guests, which they were happy to do, and they, they hang around till the till the bitter end, you know, which was great. Um, and it was um, a nice, nice little touch. I mean, I got to speak with Rob Hoffman just to say that I have this the same surname as him, which um, I'm sure he will take that back to America with him and love that. Then what else happened? We went to... They had a, a, a silver screen screen there where they played all the history videos um, and they, they had a little um, 
Michael talking over some of the videos saying what what different things were and the different engineers and people that worked on the videos which which was a which was a nice touch and they also gave out um sort of popcorn um whilst whilst we were watching that which was which was sweet and great yeah um finally then moving on to the evening section of the of the day because it was from 11 a.m. till 11 p.m., they opened a place called Club Thirties, which was um, a Michael dance-a-thon, dance-a-thon even for all of the fans. I mean, it was a, a great little thing. The 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 initial bit was it was a bit quiet on the dance floor. Uh, I think people were a bit nervous to go up, but a couple of lookalikes got on there, and there was a guy, Danny. I think he's I recognised him from other Michael Jackson days that I've seen in the past. Um, those two were having a bit of a dance off on the stage. And that got everyone whipped out into a little bit of a frenzy, and soon all the the all the two hundred and fifty or so um, fans were like moonwalking, kicking, spinning, owing, and all that sort of Michael jargon, you know. And it was really amazing, amazing stuff to get everyone to be able to dance to Michael songs because it feels like it's been forever since we've been able to do that. And that was for about three hours, so it was a proper sweat fest with all the the Michael fans and the tunes that kept um kept on coming to keep us on the floor. Um, one of the 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 nicest points of the evening though was toward the end was when uh, Heal the World started, and uh, it was a really um I think like a spiritual moment. I think it was really for all of us because we all sort of cleared the dance floor and held hands around the edge of the dance floor and sang the whole song, and it was a really uplifting moment for all of us um and then there was a young girl there as well in a wheelchair and man in the mirror came on and i think some one of the other fans just helped her into the center of the 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 dance floor we all sort of huddled around her singing man in the mirror while she was there and i think it was a really great a great moment and it, it was a testament to michael and what he has left with his with his with his fans, I think it was a, it was a great thing. Um, so it was a it was a really fantastic day to be honest with you. And I think um, Kingvention is just the beginning. I hope that this becomes uh, an annual thing. You know, I mean, uh, wherever in the world it could be, because it, it was such a great thing to have a Michael Jackson day back in in the UK. Because we used to have them years and years ago, quite regularly. Um, uh, but we haven't had them for a while. Um, and I think this might be the first one since Michael passed. So this can only be a good thing for us Michael fans to get together and uh, hopefully fellowship like Michael would with his brothers and his family and just create a, a nice space for us to go and have some positive Michael vibes. So there we go. That was my um, uh, roving report of Kingvention 2015. <laughs> Thank you so much for sending us that wrap-up of Kingvention 2015, Jay. Um, I'm so grateful that you could do that for us and and let everyone know about it. It sounded like an incredible event, I think. Um, I would have loved, loved, loved nothing more to it than have gone and celebrated the history 20th anniversary since there seems to be no other celebrations and especially having like um, the guests that they had. I think that would have been awesome hearing all about it. Yeah, that sounds like it was a really successful event, and uh, and having Rob there, um, the the engineer again, I would have loved to to have gone. You would have <laughs> loved that. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe they can get him next time. Or 
another time but uh, yeah i'll definitely want to uh to check out in the future i also think it would have been so cool to see you know the history statue yeah like the, the the bust of the history statue from diana that would have been incredible and it would be really cool to see you know if, if they finally have that statue happen you know like she wants wants it to become a sort of monument to a permanent monument to michael I wonder where they would ever do yeah. such a thing. I'm not sure. I think maybe somewhere in California, no doubt, or uh, Las Vegas would love it. Las Vegas <laughs> would have it. Yeah, well, they were going to have a robot at some point, weren't they? There was that was about... this horrendous rumor, <laughs> and it was so it was such a like ridiculous National Enquirer rumor that there was going to be this like 50 foot robot walking around the Las Vegas desert with lasers <laughs> shooting out its eyes of Michael Jackson. And that was that was sort of just before the this is it sort of announcement. I think those rumors were yeah. happening. It was like everyone was trying to scramble for uh, for some type of news or made up story. Well, because he 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 would have been staying in Vegas, I believe. You know, yeah. before all that, and when sort of uh, meetings were happening to sort of set that up. Mm -hmm. So people were like, oh, he's in Vegas. He's living at this house and. Oh, uh, maybe he wants a giant robot walking around the desert. So we should report that in the news. Yeah. How they make up such things is insane. That's uh, crazy. But um, yeah, I'm not I, saying I don't want to see a giant <laughs> robot walking around the desert shooting lasers. As long as it's not uh, causing any harm, I think it'll be pretty cool. Yeah, as long as <laughs> no kaiju come from a rift in the Pacific Ocean and start attacking cities, and we need like the you know the big giant robots to uh, save us all, yeah. that would be good. If it was just a robot, that'd be cool. No kaiju. <laughs> yeah, but the, um, the the history statue would be awesome to see, I think, especially if they make it, you know, as big as on the, on the, vi on the video, you know, <laughs> I, the teaser. That's like, as, that's like as big as like this, that Sears Tower in Chicago or something. <laughs> yeah, why not? I, I don't, well, yeah, it'd be awesome. Maybe, yeah, if anywhere was going to do it like that, Vegas or Dubai. Yeah. Yeah, or uh, or China maybe, somewhere in China, they build things very quickly. Yeah, yes, I would. Yeah, I'd still love to just see one of the uh, Sony promo statues, like the one in Best in the Netherlands at the McDonald's. There, I just one seeing one of them would be awesome enough. Yeah, was there one left in Australia as well, or not? <laughs> no, no, sadly, no. There's I know there's one in somewhere in Italy. One in South Africa, the one in Holland. Right. There's a, a homemade one in um, in Indonesia. We spoke about that in episode one. Fadley Jackson of uh, Indonesian Michael Jackson Club and impersonator. Uh, he's got one in his backyard, <laughs> which is awesome. It was used in a big New Year's Eve event and a okay. local um, sort of sculptor made it. And it looks pretty similar to, like, the real one. It's a bit stockier. Um, but, yeah, after the New Year's Eve event, he got it moved to his backyard. Awesome. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Just I don't know there. how my neighbours would go with that. Yeah, some people have, uh, like, you know, the Buddha sitting there or some people have Michael standing there. <laughs> yeah, he's got this two-storey giant history statue in his backyard. So check out our first episode to hear all about that. <laughs> So I guess it is October and Halloween is happening. We saw uh, a tweet from a friend of the show, Darren Hayes, during the week alerting us to the fact that 
Party City, a giant costume retailer in the United States, is airing its annual Halloween advertisement on TV, and they're using the song Thriller. So it's not the Michael vocals used in this track. It's a cover version of Thriller. But I don't know. How do you feel about when businesses sort of use Michael Jackson music in their ads? Um, I guess it depends on what the, uh, what the aim is. Um, it's a, it's, I guess it's a very, it's, it's a very gray area, especially when the artist has passed away, you know, but, um, uh, I think, uh, I think the advert could have been a. I think the song could have been used a little bit more uh, in a classier way for this ad. Yeah, but yeah. um, you know, it's like it's, a local business ad yeah. almost. But you know, I, I don't know. I guess you know, if it, it, it fits, you know, to use thriller for a Halloween thing. But um, I don't know. <laughs> I so. guess it's good that it, you know thriller is being associated with Halloween yeah. and you know therefore sort of reinforcing thrillerween thriller night sort of celebrations it's it's uh, the cover is okay so we were a bit like oh that's a bit awkward and weird and is it disrespectful or not but then we got an email uh from our friend Andy Healy and he he saw that we were probably going to talk about it on the show and he just wanted to give us a few facts which I think we're very grateful for firstly and um you might be interested to hear as well so I'm going to read you an email that we got from Andy sort of telling us a bit about how this probably would have come about. So he tells us that the commercial um, has actually aired for the past two years each Halloween when Thriller is on uh, every radio station, club and house party, Halloween party playlist. While some fans are upset with it being hocked for a Halloween costume shop, um, it's important to note that the usages of the cover version and uh, that would have been permission would have been sought and granted by actually uh, Rod Temperton and Rondor Music, published through Universal Music, as Rod is the sole writer on the track. And uh, Rondor Universal um, uses the uh, publishing, and there would have been no requirement by the advertiser to get approval from the estate or Sony because it's actually a Rod Temperton track. It's it's not using the Michael composition, the master recording, and therefore there is no rights by Michael's side of it uh, over the track. The only approval that would have been required would have been from Rod and Rod alone. Uh, Andy's worked in advertising for many years and licensed both master recordings from bands like Coldplay in excess as well as create cover versions of songs from Bill Withers, Queen, Blondie, Aerosmith for various ads. Um, and the issue of actually who owns the songs and the master recordings can be confusing to the average watcher. Most often, if you aren't using the actual recording, you only need the songwriter's permission and not the permission by everyone in the band in the case of a track by Blondie or Queen, for example. Getting master recordings for a track is tough and easily double the cost of publishing. So many will just go for the rights and do a re-record, as was the case with the launch of Star City Casino in Sydney, who used Can You Feel It 
for their campaign. They got the rights to publishing for $250,000 to use the actual Jackson's recording would have been around double that. So, Andy, thank you for sending that clarification in. I think, um, you know, we can, you know, I think people might still feel awkward about the sort of, I don't want to say crappy ad because that's sort of insulting, but I guess the just sort of cheap use of such an iconic song. So, but that sort of explains a bit why and how that would have come about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Andy got it right there with the, uh, the issue with you know licensing the master recordings especially with a uh, an artist like michael jackson the money would be <laughs> just sky high um yeah i'm sure the whether, estate would you know, want whether, their fair cut yeah the estate sony and rod and whoever else you know the engineer who was there <laughs> whoever you know anyone would want to cut so um is it, and the paperwork you know it's a slow process and it's it's a bit of a headache for both parties i think involved so, yeah, it's unfortunate sometimes that, you know, some cover versions can be used in, in such ways, but it's, uh, it's, it's a win-win for everyone. And uh, I guess it only happens once a year. <laughs> That's why I think we should hope for uh, some real official sort of thriller celebration releases around Halloween, like, you know, thrilling the cinema. Why is there no like Halloween sort of party mix, like an official one with Michael Jackson's songs on it, like thriller and ghosts and is it scary? Yeah. Um, stuff like that threatened. Yeah. You know, if they put official stuff out around Halloween, that would yeah. give us something to be excited about. I mean, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Michael wanted to do the ghost special that oh, in 2009. Yes. And um, yes. so that, I think it'll be awesome if they, if the estate or if Sony or whoever um, could organize something like that, you know, to, to merge Thriller and the ghost experience into one event and, and uh, maybe it happens once a year or maybe it happens once every couple of years or whatever. And Yeah, make a proper Thriller night yeah. celebration. Yeah, that'll be – we can hope. <laughs> we can always hope and hope for the best – so something sort of came out of the blue a bit for us was um, Paul McCartney is doing some album re-releases and included on the Pipes of Peace album, he has a, a sort of alternate version of his duet with Michael Jackson, Say, Say, Say. So for the first time this week, we got to hear the actual uh, the actual track. It's about well, about six or seven minutes long, I think it was. It's sort of like yeah, it's, it's not an extended remix. Did a, so you've heard it? Um, I've, I've heard it. Yeah, it was. Um, I think it it appeared online for for a bit, and uh, I managed to catch it. So it's um, it, it's definitely a longer version, I think, than the original, right? Yes, I think it is for sure. But it's not turned into like some club club banging track remix or anything, and it hasn't got some you know, hot new producer that's had this horrendous track on the radio do a remix of it and it's actually alternate vocals from when they recorded it back then. And it's sort of like a mirror image in some ways of the track that we sort of all know and love. Uh, Michael sort of picks up Paul's lines, his uh, verses, and then Paul sort of sings this, the lines that we know Michael to sort of sing in the original. It's sort of like a mirror image. Yeah, 
I, I don't know what 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 was the intention with this with this release. Um, it sounds like it sounds like they sort of just took vocals that Michael and Paul sang all the way through, and they sort of merged this new version together. But um, it's definitely interesting to hear that. You know, it wasn't a set duet like, okay, Michael, you sing this part, I'll sing this part. I think they might have experimented with the whole song as a as a whole and then sort of took the best takes, I guess, to get the final final version out. That's yeah, and I think, yeah, like I think the, the official proper, the original version is probably those best vocal takes that were taken. I think that worked out for the best, but like some of the vocals, especially from Michael and this one, um, for Michael fans anyway, and I'm, I'm sure for Paul McCartney fans, hearing his new sort of vocals um, is probably just as much as a highlight for them as it is for us hearing Michael's. Like there's some great moments in this new version. It's really cool. I just like how it's longer and it's this sort of rediscovery, I, I would I would put it as, rediscovery of the, of the original recording. And um, it would be great once it's out. Um, released properly yeah i'm hoping that it's available um on itunes maybe even just as a single i actually have the original cd of pipes of peace somewhere in my stacks of cds in the collection somewhere um so i don't not sure if i'll buy like a, a anniversary edition of the album but if i can get at least say 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 uh, this alternate version in my collection via itunes or something that would be awesome I saw a little video he was sort of speaking about how that Pipes of Peace album came about and how he went about making it with different artists and he sort of approached it like casting a film with actors for certain roles and there's a lot of different people that featured on the Pipes of Peace album and actually Michael was the one that approached Paul about doing some songwriting at the time, of course, with uh, The Girl Is Mine Um so that's sort of how this collaboration came about, which Michael approached Paul and Paul respected Michael greatly as an artist and a performer. And out of it came some pretty awesome little duets and collaborations. Yeah. I was just thinking now, like imagine if, if it was the other way around, if Say 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 was on Thriller and The Girl Is Mine would have been on Pipes of Peace. Imagine if wow. something like that would happen. Yeah. That would have turned the... Uh, Turned it around a little Turned bit. Turned the tables, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. interesting to think. I never even considered that. I did consider that, I guess, because we now have Michael Jackson singing basically uh, in both versions combined the whole song. And then, therefore, there's also Paul McCartney singing all of the lines spread out over these two different versions so it probably won't be long before someone fan edits together a Paul McCartney solo version and a Michael Jackson solo version. Wouldn't be really hard to do and it would be very interesting to hear. So yeah. Remix by Nick, are you listening? Maybe, I don't know, just putting it out there. Yeah, there's some talented fans out there for sure. <laughs> there sure is. <laughs> but no, it's a great version. We'll have um, a link to an article in The Guardian about the – the re-release and you can hear Paul McCartney talking about how the collaboration came about and uh, have a look on iTunes and look around and, and maybe buy the Say 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 version if it's available as a solo or the Consider Buying the Pipes of Peace album. Another awesome album that uh, we've spoken about a number of times and I really love was the Unity 
Latin tribute album by uh, Tony Suka, and it had a lot of great artists featuring on it. I think somewhere on this very messy desk I've actually got the CD cover. I'll try and flick around while I'm talking to find it. <laughs> I didn't even think of using the cover for anything. Um, but it's been sort of disqualified by uh, the Latin Grammy Association from receiving any awards. And it's sort of created a bit of controversy and uh, I've seen a hashtag, hashtag not Latin enough. Have you had a chance to read anything or hear anything about why this has happened? Um, Bits and pieces. I mean, I didn't really know much about it being considered for the Grammys anyway. Like I I knew about the album and I – and I knew you know, how wonderful it sounded and how good a jo- good of a job they did with it. But um, I, the the first thing that came to my mind was probably the fact that it maybe you know it wasn't in uh, it wasn't sung in Spanish. And then um, when I read it, when I read more into it, I, that, that pretty much turned out to be the case. And I, I I can I can see why they they thought you know okay well it's not in Spanish so we can't give you the Grammy. But there are so many songs that are out there that I would consider to be Latin. I mean, Gloria Estefan sings in English, and I would consider her music in, you know, to be Latin. That's uh, Ricky Martin, Shakira, and all these people who um, who do sing in English. And I would, you know, Santana, who also has Rob Thomas singing, you know, Smooth, and that's that's such a Latin song. Um, I, th- I really think that they should uh, rethink their, um, their, their rules and regulations for the, for the qualification. Yeah, I agree for sure. I think all of those artists that you mentioned there, as soon as you hear them, it's completely identifiable as Latin music. Um, They're like, you know, the biggest names out there in Latin music. And then just converting the the Michael Jackson known songs into that sort of Latin um, instrumentation, even that alone was so identifiably Latin. Yeah. Just as much as it is, yeah, it's identify, identifiably Michael Jackson songs, but it's so Latin. It's plainly, you know, it's not the regular Michael Jackson version. This is a special Latin tribute. So, yeah. yeah I'd, it's bizarre. I'd, 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 I think um, there's a video that we'll put in the show notes uh, from Tony who's, you know, he's been understandably so quite upset that this ruling was made, especially when you hear how the ruling came to be. They included like sort of ad-lib stuff as English and counted, counted words, you know, if it was said, you know, as an expression, they counted it as like maybe four or five separate English words and that made the percentage of alleged sort of English words at like 50 point something percent when it needs to be 51 percent to be considered for the Latin Grammys. Therefore, hashtag not Latin enough. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's a bit too much, you know, to start counting the ad libs. And um, I don't know. I think I, I really think there needs to be a rethinking of of the rules here. Yeah, I think um, definitely so. I think it's black and white. The gray areas don't work, uh, especially when it's penalizing such an incredible project that is promoting like Latin artists and Latin music. So well, um, 
that, yeah, I, don't, I think it's not a fair ruling. I think it should be reconsidered. I think it's definitely Grammy-worthy um, album. It should win some, especially like, you know, even for production and music, stuff like that. Tony Sukar did an incredible job putting this album together, um, and it's a shame that he won't be recognised officially for it. So who knows what will happen, but... Regardless, we love the album. We hope if you've gone to get it, you enjoy it as well. We we can't say enough good things about the Unity Latin Tribute Michael Jackson album that came out. We yeah, it's a great album and it should be recognized for what it is. So of course today, or yeah, it would have been today or last night in American time. Um, the Jackson's Next Generation on Lifetime TV, the docuseries from the three, 3T boys, was premiered. And from what I saw across the board, it was pretty well received. I, I haven't even seen anything, um, any reviews about it. So I haven't read reviews, but okay. the, twi- the Twitter sphere was on fire. Right. I mean, I saw the I saw the teasers and the and the promos for it. Um, yeah, so it looked it looked really interesting, and uh, so I'm I don't know, maybe I'll catch some of it later on, somewhere. Some yeah, it's hard. Like uh, like you might be the same as us, where you don't often get these sort of same shows. Yeah. Because we don't have these channels here, um, but I've seen a few links around for it, so I'm hoping to catch up on the premiere episode soon. Um. I did watch a lot of the little promo stuff for it and it looked really great. Uh, very respectfully done, as you can imagine, from these wonderful boys that protect the Jackson legacy so well. So I hope it's a huge success. Um, I hope that it you know, changes the public perception a bit about the Jackson family, which I think is you know unfairly painted in the media. Yeah. I mean, I think that's also one of the reasons, right, for, the, for this to be done, you know, to... Yeah, you know, just to show people that you know this is a these are real people like everybody else. They're a you family. Know, they, they they're a family, and they they're a big family. And uh, that's the thing. That's that the Jackson family are an entertainment family. They're yeah. an entertainment dynasty. They're yeah. an entertainment industry onto themselves. Yeah. So this is their jobs. This they're entertainers and. If you're, if there's people out there going, oh, they're, you know, trading on, you know, Michael Jackson's name, they're trading as, you know, on the Jackson's name to earn a dollar. The Jacksons are these people. Yeah. They're doing, that's their name. That's their name. <laughs> that's their name and they're doing their job. So, and they're doing it so respectfully and it's for, you know, the truth and, and legacy of for for their children as well because there isn't just one generation of the Jacksons. There's like multiple generations yeah, now. It's a massive family, huge family, and yeah. it's a, it's a very important family in the entertainment industry. And credit where credit is due, you know, Michael got where he is because of learning with his family and being in the Jackson five and then the Jacksons and being at Motown and all of that led to Michael as it all led to Janet's career, Mm -hmm. as it led to Joe's career as management, as it led to the three T boys, you know, these entertainment is obviously in their DNA and their blood. So we're very blessed to live in the time of the Jacksons. 
it'll be really cool to see what happens after the you know the series is up and hopefully everything turns into a you know more opportunities for them i guess I would hope so. People mm-hmm. like if the people like the Kardashians can <laughs> be so positively portrayed in the media for whatever the hell they do, then there's no like reason that a very um, humble and a very hardworking family such as the Jacksons shouldn't be recognised in exactly the same way. Yeah. Without less selfies, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I would love to hear more music from them, e- even if it's just production. You know, I, I know that Tarrell is a great producer, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I think just music is in their blood, and you know, and film, and all these sorts of things. So I, ho- I hope they they do well. I really want to see more more stuff from the them. Uh, the theme song is um, out on the internet on YouTube, and that's it's the three T boys doing their harmonies and they would have probably produced it themselves as well. And that's a really great little theme song. So yeah, and they've just released a EP as well to sort of come out at the same time as this docu-series. So yeah, new music is out there and, and hopefully they keep going and onwards and upwards and we wish them all the best of luck, every success uh, and all of our gratitude for all they do for the, the legacy of the Jackson name and for their family. So our love and success to the boys and to the entire Jackson family. So don't let your mind think that I don't care. And it's hard for me because I know when something ain't right, you got me up all night. comes from a place beyond the stars to take them to a world beyond their dreams from his soul comes the music from his heart comes the beat now from the imagination of Michael Jackson Comes a movie like no other. So, Dan, I remember last time when we had you on the show, you mentioned, and I was very excited to hear about it in the future, which has now arrived, that <laughs> you were at the announcement for This Is It in London. Yes, I was. <laughs> so, today, our discussion topic is going to be about our sort of personal MJ experiences, because really, 
I really just wanted to hear your stories. <laughs> <laughs> right. Where do I start? <laughs> Where do you start? Was that your first sort of big Michael uh, experience or no. you know, what, what other Michael stuff had you sort of uh, been to? So my first experience was really the Dangerous Tour no. uh, in Mexico. Uh, believe it or <gasps> what? Not. So I was, that was a record-breaking concert, wasn't was it, with the, the crowd? Ridiculous, yeah. It was. Um, I think the stadium had a uh, hundred, one hundred and ten thousand people, something like that. Oh my god! Um, and that was five nights, so it was you know it was over. It was around the hundred thousand mark every night. So it was a uh, it was a big deal for Mexico. Actually, I, I can start with this story because um, you know not many. At least back in the '90s, and to a degree, um, still now, not everyone goes to. No, everyone tours in Mexico, um, and if they do, they might do one show, and they might not come back for another ten years or so. You know, it's. Um, I don't know whether it's because of the, the risk involved, you know, with the, with the crime level or whatever, or it's too expensive to bring everything. I'm, I'm not sure, but so mm-hmm. every time that someone comes to Mexico, you know, everyone goes. Um, it's a, it's a big deal. I know it happened with uh, uh, with the, the with the Rolling Stones and when Madonna went uh, in the nineties. I think it was in the same year in ninety three. So um, yeah, I went. I was uh, <laughs> I was six years old. Um, so I Whoa. don't I don't remember everything, um, but yeah. I, I remember enough to to know that I was there. So it was just a crazy experience. I went twice. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, the first time we were we were sort of on on the ground level on the pitch, and which yeah. was probably a mistake because it was just so hectic once the show got um, got underway. Um, and uh, but the second time we were up on the on the on the stalls by the side um, on the left uh, left side of the, of the stage, and um, we managed to get a really good view of the visuals. And um, the one thing that I would say is that the sound of the of the concert was just insane. Um, I love that little clip in the Dangerous video, in the Dangerous short films, when um, Michael's tour manager is saying, uh, you know, Michael wants you to feel the sound. He wants you to feel it. Like, oh, good old Benny Collins, I think his right. name is. That's right, yeah. I keep, you know, um, you've been to the show, and you've been to history, right? You know what it's like. The, the sound just, yeah. like, permeates. You feel through. it in your internal organs. It's, it, yeah, it, like, rips inside of you. It's... um so that was an awesome experience, and um, and that was pretty much it for a long time. I didn't really, you know, I kind of got on with life, <laughs> being a fan, of course. Well, but I sort of got and on you with and that. you were only six years old. <laughs> and at I was the time only six, well. and um, you had some growing up to do in the meantime. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the second time that I that I I, think, I guess my next experience was was wasn't until two thousand and five, so it was a long time to to get back into the, the Michael thing. Um, so what, what happened was that I wanted to go to the history tour, but for some reason or another, I think my, my parents couldn't take me or they didn't want to go or something. So unfortunately I missed out. But um, when I was older, you know, I was, uh, the whole trial was happening and um, and I actually almost went to, to Santa Barbara at some point. Oh, so thought, okay. Yeah. I thought about going and I thought, oh, you know, maybe I should be there and, you know, because you're seeing all these images of the fans there and just having a, you know, as good time as they could, you know, with with each other, you know, just meeting each other and supporting each other and just being there for Michael. I thought, you know, yeah, how could I not be there? 
you know, I'm, I'm still a fan and it's 2005 and, you know, I love the guy, I love the music and how can I not be there? So, um, but, but I didn't go in the end. But luckily, uh, after he got acquitted, he came to London eventually. Was it, I think it was uh, in October, I think. So it was again in October and he was staying at the Dorchester Hotel. And mm-hmm. I was that was one of his favorite hotels, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, and um, I later found out that he was actually there f- for a while before anyone knew that he was there. Like he was totally incognito, which is incredible to consider. Yeah, I think he was there. Like I don't think he was there for the full length of time, but I think for a couple a couple of weeks before we found out that he was there, like he was doing some. He was trying. I think he was trying to deal, do some record deal thing with Universal or someone that didn't go quite to plan but it was just incredible to me that someone with such a high profile can be at your doorstep and not even no one being aware that he's there so yeah how he flew under the radar for any length of time is almost inconceivable and you wonder how often he that sort of happened really yeah so but by this point i was at university i was away from home i was kind of i was on my own you know like yeah i can do whatever Michael's in town, and I sort of, uh, I was on MJNO at the time, uh, the big for, um, online forum based here in the UK, and I remember being out one night and coming back into into my dorm, and it was quite late, and I'd been out with friends, and I was quite tired, but I thought, I'll just check, see what's happening on MJNO, and I see this stream of photographs, you know, that fans are like on the, in the underground car park. Mm-hmm. And Michael's like taking pictures with him and he's on top of a car and it's kind of just crazy. And like, oh my and God. everyone's like saying, you know, he's here, he's here. And I'm like, I need to go down. And this happened on a Friday night. So, um, so I thought, well, great. It's the weekend. <laughs> so How far I, were you from the hotel area? So I wasn't, I wasn't in London at the time. I was like two hours away from London. Oh my but I, God. it was, but I just thought, cool. I just go to sleep and um, and I'll get the the earliest train that I that I can in the morning, you know. Um, I, I didn't get a super early train in the end. I got like a ten ten o'clock train, but I was down in London by by noon. And um, you know, by this point, everyone found out that Michael was there, so the fans started to gather outside the hotel. And uh, what happened was, um, I as I was arriving to the hotel. I saw that fans were gathering on the side of the hotel in a massive crowd, and I thought, "Oh my god, I'm I'm uh, I'm late." I was like on the other side of the road, and it was uh, quite difficult to cross. So I had to run past the hotel and then eventually cross. And uh, as I was approaching the hotel, I was running by this point. Um, fans were like taking pictures and jumping and and kind of gathering around this entrance. And um, I, I'm I'm lucky because I'm tall. So I was at the back of the crowd and um, I was just jumping to see what everyone was looking at. And I managed to see the top of Michael's forehead <laughs> and see sunglasses. And uh, like, I think he was signing autographs for people as well and posing for pictures and just waving. And uh, he eventually was picked up. And uh, I think he was taken to the Billy Elliot musical. Yes. Um, he was wearing that green shirt at the time. And he was taken. It was he was taken out. I think with the with his children and Ramon Bain was there as well. Um, and it was kind of just this sort of surreal moment, you know, just Michael's like right in front of me. 
Um, it all happened really quickly, of course, because he had to be dashed into the car and then, you know, off he went. And uh, some fans knew where he was going, so they went so they went there. I didn't have a clue at the time. So I kind of <laughs> asked around. Some people didn't know. Some people told me different things. So it was kind of like a crazy situation, you know, just people were running around chasing this car. People were just kind of standing still. Some people were crying. I was like in shock. I was like texting everyone. I was like calling people like, oh, my God, I just saw Michael Jackson. Some people didn't believe me, you know, because <laughs> this was like after <laughs> his trial and everyone was like, oh, he's gone to Dubai. He's gone to Bahrain. Yeah. Um, but um, I was just like in over the moon, you know, he was I, I finally saw him like I, not performing, just like I just finally saw him right yeah. in front of me and um, I ended up staying at the hotel kind of waiting for him to come back after learning that he was at the theater and uh, that's when I got the best view of him uh, coming back his uh, car entourage was circling the hotel for a while maybe trying to um, to fool everyone that he was in one car and then <laughs> not the other so people were chasing all these sorts of cars and then eventually everyone was waiting by the side door from when he came out and uh, this car very quickly just sort of pulled up. The uh, like I was trying to hold. I was like near the front of this of this crowd of fans, so I was trying to hold back the fans because fans were like pushing in, pushing forward, <laughs> and the fans that that were next to me were trying to push back because we were trying to make like a walkway for Michael to to walk from his car into the door. And so yeah, the door opened. Michael like swung around, kind of just sat there, <laughs> like assessed the situation very quickly smiled and went out of the car, ducked, and kind of just sort of very quickly and carefully went inside the uh, the door. And I remember like very quickly, we, everyone just pushed up against the glass door and kind of were waving at him, kind of shouting at him and, you know, Michael, we love you, all this and all that. And uh, Michael just kind of just sort of dusted him, himself off, you know, straightened his shirt, turned around and uh, waved at everyone and uh, gave us a peace sign and then took off into the uh, into his hotel. So that How was, manic sounding. And it was, yeah, it was just a, a crazy experience because, you know, Michael had just gone through this horrific ordeal and he was still being ridiculed. And it was just kind of like being a Michael fan at that time was very kind of dark. It, you was, know? Tough. it was tough. It, it was, was really and, tough and very lonely. Yeah, it was lonely. It was tough. And suddenly to have him, at, you know, in London was just crazy. And, and for I, I, he seemed really happy. Like he seemed kind of. Obviously, it must have been quite stressful for him to kind of be dodging all the fans again. But uh, he he was smiling, he was waving, so it was great to see him smile after after that awful summer. Um, he was probably so like um, grateful and recharging on that love from the fans again, knowing that after everything he went through, there are still people there for him. Yeah, yeah, and that so that was that that was pretty much. The, the first of the first of a few experiences I had in London with with other fans and at the hotels and I saw him again. I think I think I might have stayed in London that night. Actually, now that I think about it, um, just because I because it was a weekend, right? So I thought I'll just stay for another day. And um, and yeah, we saw him waving outside the windows, and and he he was dropping letters. I think at some point. <sighs> and then the police had to come because fans were like on the road and they had to put barriers <gasps> up and it was just it was crazy i think i didn't have a digital camera at the time i had like a, a film you know a film camera a normal yes 
So um, I, I was just aiming at the pick at the at the window, and my, you know, even with a flash, like I think <laughs> I, I didn't get any photos that day. I just one. I think I got one of Michael, and he's like covering up his face. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and then after that, I, I saw him. Uh, I saw him at the Carlton Towers Hotel. He was wearing a, a bright blue shirt that day. And uh, yeah, that was pretty crazy too. Actually, there was there were fans staying inside the hotel because they, they had found out somehow in advance, you know. So there were some fans in the hotel feeding information out to fans outside the hotel, and there was like misinformation everywhere as to what he's doing. Is he coming out? Is he staying in? Where are we waving to? You know, which floor is he at? It was it's, it's a crazy operation, you know. And um, eventually he came out and um, with his children, and he, and he and he went into a car, and then he, he took off. And um, actually, this was the, the first time that I actually joined a small group of fans sort of chasing the car, <laughs> and which I, I don't feel too proud of. But the only reason I chased it was because it was the, the street coming out of the Carlton Towers Hotel where he, where he took off from was uh, was quite narrow. And there were a lot of cars on either side of, you know, of the road, so he couldn't go too quickly. Um, and with with a crowd of fans kind of on the side of the car, I thought, well, he's he might roll his window down. I don't know. I just want to say hi to him. That's all I wanted to do. And um, I got right. Up, I got to the window, to the back window, and <laughs> the window didn't roll down at all, and it was completely tinted. So I didn't even know who I was <laughs> waving to. <laughs> but I was like, hi. And um, the first chance that the car got, you know, the clear road, it just sped away. And took off into uh, into the night. I think he went to see another show that night. Maybe it was uh, I don't know if it was Mary Poppins or some other um, thing. So that was that was pretty cool night. And um, I don't know if it was that night or the night after that that he went to he Michael went to have dinner at the uh, the, the Prince of Bahrain or the Sultan of Bahrain or someone was staying in London and he went to the to their family's home and, and had some had, had dinner there or something. And some fans managed to find where he was going and meet him outside the house. So that that was that was interesting. Crazy how some fans could get some information and, and yeah. To this day, yeah. I, I I don't you know. I would imagine that some fans have uh, sort of kind of well connected with people who know things you know from from way back. So, yeah. So they so they've kind of know <laughs> just by knowing people. I think I think there were like definitely um, maybe some fans sort of in the inner circle, you know, they were like regulars and, and known like in the bodyguards book when he lived in Vegas, we heard that mm-hmm. Michael knew particular fans and would talk to them and, you know, ask them about things in their life and stuff like that. So maybe, you know, yeah. I, I definitely imagine those fans would have traveled or either, either come from there or traveled to there. And so, yeah, they might've helped with information yeah, it was a very different time back then for fans and for these sort of things, events and manic sort of Michael sightings happening. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. social media really, it was, there was forums. Yeah. There wasn't well, the is... sort of live action social media to the second as there is now. Yeah. I mean, this the, the Carlton Towers event was uh, in 2007. I, I think Twitter wasn't even around. I think Facebook was only just becoming and, it's crazy to think how how we communicated so quickly, you know, back then. And yeah, forums had a major role, I think. And and I think the biggest takeaway for me for going down to 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 the London and see Michael at the hotel, the fans, uh, meeting the fans, 
and making new friends from from around the world. I mean, people flocked from all over Europe and even from uh, from from the states or Canada or wherever else to come see him. It was amazing, and I'm very lucky to still be friends with some of these people today. Michael totally brought people together yeah. all over the world. I've got friends from yeah, complete opposite side of the world that the the first connection we had was because of Michael Jackson. Like me and you talking now, like we've never even met in real life. <laughs> right, it's crazy. But we're, yeah, and now we're like, you know, co-hosting this episode together like old mates. And I imagine that one day far, at some point in the future, I probably will meet you in the UK and meet my other fans, um, fan friends in the UK like uh, Sil and Sam and Charles. But, yeah, I've got a great friend in um, Indianapolis, Tim, mm-hmm. and he, he ended up coming to Australia for our wedding reception. Wow. And it was all because we became friends through Michael. I've got, yeah, friends on the other side of the country because of Michael and these are very, very, very dear and best friends. Michael had that power that he just brings people together. Yeah, so those were those were crazy, um, slightly dangerous chasing car moments. But um, how did those slightly dangerous, crazy car chasing moments compare uh-huh. to the "This Is It" announcement and those sort of like London event appearances? How did the sort of two differ? Um, Obviously, social media was a big yeah. part in 2000. Was it 2009 that actually announced in 2009 or was it in 2008? Uh, 2009 for the announcement. Okay. Um, so, yes, uh, social media was – actually, I didn't even have Twitter then. I, I, I didn't use Twitter, so I didn't. I was mainly on, on using Facebook, but even then, I think I think there weren't as many sort of fan groups using like in Facebook, or maybe they were, and I just wasn't aware. I think forums were still pretty big. I mean, I was, I was, yeah, they co- were. I was co-administering Maximum Jackson at the time. So, oh, I was in Max Jack. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and that, that was yeah forums that was my, like that were a big part. That was my world. So I was kind of just very what's happening in the forum and, and what's happening in other forums or who's, you know, who's saying what. And, uh, I don't know. I, I guess the, the events were a bit more, I, I felt a little better going to official events, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was definitely after the cotton towers event of me, me just chasing the car for even like half, half a road, you know, just like not even a block. I kind of thought to myself, like, what am I doing? Um, you know, if he wants to say hi, I'm sure I could find a, a better suitable, a better suited time for, to, to meet him or, or whatever. Um, so at, at events, I think it was always, it, it was less stressful in that, you know, everything's organized and you know where to meet, who's going to be there and let's, you know, let's all hang out and have lunch and then let's all queue up and and then you'll be at the event. In the case of the World Music Awards, which was in 2006, that, that was pretty much like that, you know, it was kind of just get on a train and be there at certain times to queue up and you know by now I, I know fans from 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 msn messenger or from the forums or from wherever and, and and it'll be cool we won't have to be guessing where michael will be we know michael's going to be here at a certain time when the show starts you know so 
um, I think that's that's the only difference. Um, yeah. But the the World Music Awards are pretty 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 insane too. Um, so did you get to go? Were you inside for the World Music Awards? Yes. Wow. So yeah, so like it was pretty crazy because I being inside like once once the whole thing started, um, the whole place was just just erupted in in cheers for Michael like for the entire show. Uh, that all that all that is edited out of the the final broadcast, and you can't really make out you know the, the crowd chants too well anyway. But the whole of Earl's Court Arena was just chanting for Michael at some point. Like Beyonce couldn't speak at some point. Lindsay Lohan was presenting something, couldn't speak at some point. Peaches Geldof couldn't speak at some point. Like none of this is shown in the final broadcast, but like it was just Michael mania in that building. Because Michael was about to take the stage, right? To 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 get his award, and then there were all these rumors about him, uh, you know, coming out to perform Thriller, because this was like the Thriller twenty five type time. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but everyone was just like hyped up to the max for the World Music Awards. I was uh, standing. I went down with my friend Emily, and um, we were pretty much there since around noon. And uh, after all the queuing up and, and being kind of corralled with other fans in a queue underground in the venue for, you know, up till about six o'clock or seven o'clock or whatever it was, we, we kind of made our way to the towards the front of the stage because they let us in first before the general public, I think like an hour beforehand. To get the crazies off the street, pretty much. <laughs> and um, so, I mean that with all love and respect, because I am the same. Yeah, yeah, crazy, crazy in a in a, in a fan way, in a in a good way. Yes. Um, we were we were standing kind of underneath the balcony where the main presenters were were at. So there was a there was a catwalk in the middle um, of the arena, but I thought it was probably better to be by the balcony where they're going to be presenting because we know Michael was definitely going to be getting an award. So yeah. if he's going to make a speech, he's going to be making a speech right above us, right? So, you know, we'll guarantee that we see him in a, in a good good spot. So that's where we were. And uh, and it was, it was just like two hours of waiting, I think, or an hour and a half. It was just no one knew what time he was going to come out. No one knew if he was, if he was going to perform, you know, Beyonce came out and Rihanna came out and Enya came out and everyone came out and everyone was just like, just hurry up. <laughs> um, and then Chris Brown came out and did his thriller tribute and everyone was kind of like, this is it. You know, this is, this is, this got it. This is, has to be, as soon as, as soon as Chris finishes, Michael's going to come. And then, uh, everyone's kind of looking into the, to the stage and, and then out comes Rihanna, and and the poor girl was getting booed. Like as soon as you know, not, like I guess because of the frustration. Like there were so many fans who just wanted to see Michael that day. You know, Rihanna was great, but we kind of wanted. My, I didn't boo her, but I, I, you know, it was kind of a crazy moment. And uh, and eventually, uh, Beyonce came out looking glamorous, and uh, we thought, well, this has to be it. And um, yeah, the moment came. She announced. Uh, Michael's uh, award and Michael came out in his sparkly um, suit designed by uh, uh, Roberto Cavalli and I think he got an ovation for like 
I can't recall if it was like six minutes or something or seven minutes. Like he, he, what? Yeah, again, that was all edited out from the from the broadcast. And I was looking, and you know, he came out, he waved, and he kind of said thank you, and he couldn't speak because it was so loud. Everyone was chanting and singing, and he did like a little wave to us at the bottom and waved around, and he just couldn't talk. <laughs> uh, but eventually, he he said his thank yous and uh, gave a really awesome speech. So, uh, yeah, so that was, that was pretty cool. Um, and then they had the, uh, the choir come out to sing, we are the world. Yeah. Well, that was funny because Michael spoke, I mean, this was like towards the end now of the night. I think the curfew is 11. Um, yes. Cause that was where the controversy came from. It cut out towards the end or something. They, they shut it down a bit premature or something. Um, well, there was something. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. Well, I, the, the curfews are always like eleven here in this country. I think, and I, I can't remember what time he came out to get his award, but it must have been like around ten o'clock time. And after that, you know, other people came and and went to perform and get rewards and things like that. And so fans thought, well, that's it. There's no. There's no performance. You know. So some fans actually left. Started leaving before the end of the show. Oh, you know, I guess they were like, "Oh, Michael's going to leave. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go back to the hotel or trying to catch him on the street or something." Um, so some fans left. I don't know if they left the whole building because I mean it was pretty tough to get out. I mean it was a, it was a crowded uh, arena, so I don't know whether they made it out all the way or what. But eventually, the, you know, the, the choir came out and um, the music started. And I thought, "Oh, okay." But the weird thing for me was that Michael came out and they gave him a microphone to to the recording of the of the you know the original single the original We Are the World track with all the different voices with all the voices so and then they gave him a mic and I thought well what's he going to do because like they're all they're, they're singing over each other they <laughs> there's no room for for him to just sing so I thought maybe he was just going to say something and then he signaled the, the the choir to walk. I think I'm pretty sure this was like all improvised because he kind of like kept signaling them to come to him and follow him, and the, and they were like, "What? <laughs> like, do we go? Do we not go?" Eventually, they they followed him and he walked down the catwalk and, and waved at everyone and started singing. And then when he started singing, it was really crazy because it was like I'm seeing Michael on a stage singing again. It wasn't obviously a performance. It was just kind of going through the motions and just trying to do something to to not seem awkward, you know, just to sing um, a couple of lines. And um, so that was really cool. And then he took off his jacket and and uh, uh, I think he got ripped to like three pieces by the fans. <laughs> I remember seeing three million of, pieces. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it was kind of cool because we were standing like next to, next to the, where the celebrities were sitting. They were like on a mm-hmm. on a separate section, and so and all the celebs were like you know looking over and smiling and pointing and taking pictures, you know. So like, literally everyone was there to to enjoy Michael's moment um, on stage. And um, how close were you to the catwalk? Uh, kind of close to the to the start of it, you know. To, yeah, we were on the on the right side of the catwalk, but but we weren't really close to where to the end of it, to where you sort of shook hands and and uh took his jacket off and things like that so yeah it, it was a gamble you know do we stand near the catwalk or do we go to where the on, where the balcony is so um but you know we got it we got a good good view and um 
And yeah, but I don't know. I think the weird thing about the event at the end was Michael was singing, and then I think it we it overran. Like it was like eleven o two or eleven o three or something. And um, the 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 song obviously finished. Um, Michael was still on stage, like with you know chanting. Everyone was chanting or whatever, and he was like, I think he finally said, "Oh, I, I'm I'm loving this. Like I'm liking this." And he was saying his "I love yous," and uh, um, and then he got to like the end of the stage and just did like a little pose, and the, everyone was kind of like praising him and singing and chanting, and 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 I think they cut this. They cut his mic out at some point, or or someone someone came and basically told him like you have to go, like you know, like we have to finish this. So Michael left, and um, we saw him leave the stage. The choir followed behind him, and suddenly there was like a boom of a like a like a massive click. It must have been from the microphone. Uh, it sounded like you know when you drop a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Michael dropped the mic. I don't, literally. Yeah, I mean that's what I I thought. Oh, he's like thrown the mic in 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 disgust, or like he's, or someone dropped the mic or something. So everyone was like, "Oh, what was that? Like, was it, like?" And I think that's kind of where the where the whole um, slight controversy thing uh, rumor kicked off but again this is from my point of view i was on the completely other side of the stage so i don't know whether someone else knows more than i do who was on the other side of the stage who might have seen a better um got a better view of what was going on or or what but it sounded like someone dropped the microphone right at the end (laughs) well already you've given like a completely different perspective from actually someone was there and witnessed the whole thing compared to what was reported in the media because even back then the media reported that, you know, it was a shambles and, like, people weren't really enthusiastic about seeing Michael Jackson. It was basically everything yeah. reported was the complete opposite of the reality that you just described. Yeah. So, Well, I'll tell you what, um, just to carry on with this story um, – so you know, we eventually the event finished, and everyone left the um, the place. And Emily and I, my friend, we, we actually missed our train back to where we were supposed to go. So we ended up kind of staying overnight in London, waiting for the last um, train uh, for the first train back. Right, and I think the first train back was like at five in the morning. And by the time we got to the station, it was like gone midnight. So. You know, we thought we'll just sort of wander, go to like a 24-hour cafe or something. Um, we didn't know that Michael was actually staying very close to where we were. So had I known that he was very close, we would have probably joined the other fans. Mm-hmm. But um, as we were sort of walking to a little like cafe, I think Starbucks or something, then they opened 24-7s, um, we went past a newsstand and they were just getting the deliveries of the newspapers for that morning. Yeah. And um, I thought, oh, that's, that's that's interesting. And I stopped because there was a picture of Michael from from the awards, like on the front page. And I thought, oh, I wonder what it says. And I kid you not, it said everything that you just mentioned. Q. It said it was a shambles that that it went wrong. That Michael was supposed to perform, but he ended up bailing out. That he didn't sing properly. That everyone was booing him. And this was like a first-hand experience of what the media does. Like I. I, I've never experienced it in this way before. You know, I'd literally come from the event hyped up and so happy and everyone was like chanting his name throughout the whole two or three hours. 
um, the celebrities praised him. Everyone like loved it. You know, I mean, he didn't sing a proper performance, no, but everyone was chanting. It was a completely positive reaction from the crowd, right? And then there I am reading this front page rubbish <laughs> that completely just makes up a completely new scenario, you know? How did that make you feel? I was very just angry, you know? I was just very confused and just like, did this reporter go to the same event that I did? That's exactly what I thought. Like, what is this? That's what I thought. It was very bizarre. And um, I can only imagine what Michael would feel if he knew that he'd just come back from an event where he got an award for selling millions and millions and millions of albums and no one else was the uh, Was it the Diamond Award? The Diamond Award, yeah. 100 a, million albums of Thriller sold, something like that. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Like the highest accolade ever. Crazy positive experience for him. Great reaction in a city that he loves. And I, it's probably a good thing that he doesn't read the tabloids like he said he did, you know, because... But I, I, this wasn't even a tabloid. This was just like a normal kind of broadsheet newspaper. Broadsheet newspaper for a local thing, and it just said Michael sucked, basically. Like the thing that he, the, the things that he had to go through was just <laughs> insane. So yeah, that was that was disappointing. But but the experience as a whole was was a good one in my in my books. Yeah, I love the videos of even just the, the little clips of videos from when he was getting his award and, and the, the adulation that he was sort of getting in those moments alone. Mm-hmm. I love those clips and he looked just so royal and resplendent in that stunning Roberto Cavalli suit. Mm-hmm. Um, I Yeah, I love those pictures and, and that would have been just incredible to see. Yeah. Was it a very different feeling when it was the This Is It announcement? Um, it was pretty much the same, but I would say that the, the expectation was different. You know, everyone was kind of, I think there was more tension for the This Is It announcement only because, you know, this wasn't Michael as an invitee at, at someone else's event. This was This was the Michael Jackson show. And this was kind of, Day one, you know, this is this is the launch date. This what this is what kicks everything off. So everyone was like, no one knew what he was going to say or what was going to be announced or the dates, how many dates, the prices, nothing. Um, so I think that that had you seen posters go up for you know the concerts because um, I remember I... seeing on like Twitter and everything. Yeah. Um, oh, like these are the pictures that they're putting up at. at bus stops and train stations and yeah, the I think, streets. Yeah, I think the local the local folks did. You'd see see some. Yeah, I remember that. I didn't personally see them myself, but... Um, so did you know what you were there for? I did, yeah. Well, what happened was, because um, like I mentioned earlier, I was part of the Maximum Jackson team. We got a, we got a tip from, from, from someone that there was going to be an announcement in March. So from, I think this was like late January or early February, we kind of were expecting something in March, but we couldn't talk about it because A, we didn't know whether it was legit or anything. So we were kind of waiting to see what happens. And then uh, I think there was a TMZ video of Michael shopping in in LA with uh, 
with Christian Odige, right? Yes. And then Christian was like, oh, yeah, Michael's going to London tomorrow. <laughs> and everyone was like, what? <laughs> so um, Yeah, thanks, Christian. So we thought, okay, something is happening. And then uh, I got a call from, from, from a friend of mine saying, yeah, Michael's in London now. And I think there's going to be something happening later in the week. So we were kind of like, what's going? Like this has to be the tour that everyone's talking about. So I, I kind of knew what was, what to expect. Uh, but again, you know, I, I didn't know whether was it going to be a one-off show? Was it going to be, uh, you know, five dates in London and then I'm going to go somewhere else, or was it going to be? a new interactive experience that Michael's thought of. I, I really just didn't know what it was about um, until, until it, Michael, well, actually even after Michael came out and talked, I still didn't know what was happening. Um, but uh, that was pretty much the, the, the expectation at, at, the, at the beginning. Yeah, for sure. So incredible experiences and from such like, you know, variety of things from like actual live concerts. Yeah. With- Hundred thousand plus crowds, record-breaking nights in in Mexico, to like you know receiving the the highest world music award honor from Beyonce of all people, <laughs> incredible alone, to then uh, hotel sort of gatherings with fans and Michael throwing stuff down to fans and chasing the cars, <laughs> and then to the this is announcement. You've had some incredible experiences. And yeah, I think that this is it. Announcement is something that I keep very dear to my heart as a as the last official appearance that Michael did. I think, wasn't it? I think it was the last official official appearance. Yeah, it was official thing. So, and I actually managed to get to get some good photos that this time. I'm looking at, at oh, one now. Cool. Yeah, so you can see me on the this is it video actually on the uh, on the film. I'm just at the back of a of a big crowd of people. That's so cool. Yeah. I never got to be, well, as far as I know, in any of the sort of official video montages that came out of the screaming fans and everything was always filmed wherever he went. And I was like, oh, it'd be so cool if I got to be one of those fans that end up in like the crowd scene in some video montage. Yeah. And there you are. You're in the, this is it one. I've got a friend um, my friend Paul Black, who is in some crowd scenes in a Michael documentary. Um, I was like in the background of the news footage when he arrived at the Perth Hotel, but I, I had a hat on. I never used to wear hats, but I had a hat on that day of all times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's hard to sort of see my face or anything. But yeah, I didn't get to sort of see any big official yeah. official announcements and award ceremonies like yourself. I, I first time I saw him was here in um, Australia in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. I was on the History World tour. I didn't get to go to Brisbane when he actually arrived at the hotel for the official arrival um, celebrations. But I had tickets. Me and my friend Ben, we had tickets to um, the History Show. And before the show, we went to the hotel. Um, I think Darren Hayes on um, our Darren Hayes special spoke about his experience of being at this same hotel um, with all the fans outside. And Darren, I don't think Darren was there the day that I was there, but the first time I saw Michael was 
he was in a red shirt and at the very top balcony of this tall, tall hotel. So he was like this little tiny person way up in the sky on top of this sort of tower. And he was waving down to us. And there was like probably a group of about 30 fans around the side of this hotel on the Brisbane river bank mm-hmm. overlooking the river. And yeah, we could sort of see him up there and we were going crazy. And I had made a sign like a, a big cardboard sign big rectangle, white cardboard with red writing. I based it on the sign that says King of Pop that's in the history album teaser film. Oh, yeah. There's a shot of a fan with this sort of red writing on this white poster. So I basically mm-hmm. copied that poster and remade it so I could have one and take it to use it sort of seeing Michael. Cool. Um, so I was waving that around and I do remember that he – could see the sign and he pointed like when I sort of unrolled this cardboard into this sign and was holding it above my head and waving it, he did see it and he pointed down, which I thought was so cool. (laughs) And we were all, yeah, going crazy just for this little red speck up in the sky at the top of this tower. Like all the photos, it's like, there's Michael. It's like, there's a red dot at the top of this blurry tower. I was like, yeah, that was him though. (laughs) Um, I think this was the same night that um, Australian TV presenter Molly Meldrum interviewed him. Okay. Um, in for the history sort of tour, M- Molly got to interview him. They spoke about the tour and the Ghosts short film. Um, it was part of a. There used to be a TV show here called Hey Hey at Saturday, and Molly had the music segment. And Molly interviewed Michael a number of times through the years, and I think this was the same night that that interview took place because when Michael actually left the hotel to go to the stadium, we were at the front of the hotel and we saw not only Molly Meldrum leave at one point in a car and we said, how's Michael? And he said, Michael was really well. Um, But then when Michael left, he was pretty much all done up, ready to go for the show. The eyelashes, almost stage makeup was pretty much as is. We got the photo I took as he went past in the car, the photo that I took on a film camera because back in like 1997 it was only really film cameras, um, Michael's face is obscured by someone holding a camera up. Right. Looking through the front of the Tarago, the little minivan windscreen. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so I can see his hand waving but his face was blocked. So he but Turns we, out – Yeah. Turns out the camera blocking it was my friend's camera and he got this incredible shot of Michael through the front. So I've got somewhere in a cupboard because we're in a rental at the moment. I've got this framed photo of Michael waving through the front of the Tarago, which in my camera was the actual um, shot was ruined by this (laughs) this camera of my mate taking the picture. Um, But, yeah, seeing Michael in the little van come out of the hotel gates and leave and by then there were hundreds of fans at the front of the hotel um, and there, I think there was some sort of police and stuff to, to sort of clear the road to let the car leave. But seeing him wave, leaning from the, the middle seats through the next to the driver, waving out the front, looking resplendent, ready to go on stage, was my most, yeah, first exciting, exciting, there's Michael within two metres of me. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then we were like, okay, now we've got to figure out how to get to this stadium. 
to get to this show, which starts in a couple of hours. So then we had to race into the city and figure out which buses to get out to this show. So I saw the history show in Brisbane first. I think this was about, it was October or November, 1996. And the tickets we had, they were classed as silver tickets, I believe. And it was an outdoor stadium and the seats were really so far from the stage. It was up super high. Like oh, no imagine way. a big a ring stadium. Yeah. We were really high up and almost as far from the stage along the side as you could get. So it wasn't a terrific view of detail on the stage, but uh-huh. thank God for the big jumbo screens and, you know, Back there, maybe the fans that bought those seats or they were just regular people that sort of bought those seats because they didn't want to spend as much money. Mm-hmm. So they weren't as into it as like me and my mate at the time who were going crazy dancing in seats <laughs> and stuff like that. So that was my Brisbane experience, which was my first Michael in-person experience. And then after that, I flew home to Perth mm-hmm. and I had tickets for um, the opening night because in Perth it was held – um, over three nights, three history shows in the one venue, which was the at the time called the Burswood Dome. And it was actually the second venue was like – because all the other shows on the history tour were outside except for Perth in Burswood Dome where I saw him and at Tokyo Dome in Tokyo. Right. So it was a much smaller venue and a lot more intimate. Like it was uh, – I can't remember, maybe – would not have been more than 30,000 people sort of well, probably not even that probably only like 15,000 in this little venue wow yeah i can't remember it's in the in the history program um i think it shows the sort of capacity of all the venues that he performed so it's uh-huh. it's a much smaller venue oh, and i was at the um hotel when he arrived in perth so he landed and me and some friends went to the hotel which was like near the beach in Perth and it was so windy and there was like thousands and thousands of people awaiting Michael at this hotel, had this huge driveway for everyone to sort of be lined up against. There were fences that people were sitting on. People had climbed on top of nearby buildings so they could get a vantage point. Um, There were cops and little barricades, tiny flimsy little barricades to hold these surging crowds um, and the news people were there. So we could see, oh, you know, he's landed at the airport. He's, uh, he's on his way. He's on the freeways. There's helicopters sort of showing he's here. And then the little Tarago and the cavalcade of cars sort of arrived at the end of the driveway. And um, we thought, is, is he going to get dropped off down there? Is he going to go in a sideway? But in the end, it was sort of like an official event. A lot of the history hotel arrivals were like official events with balloons to be released and like charity kids (laughs) and, and koalas in Australia and dances organized. So he parked right at the far end of this driveway, the opposite end to where I was and then got out and then walked for like ages, like greeting sort of people and signing autographs and, um, watching little kids do his moves, like dancing in front of him. And he was, you know, the whole like history album sort of playing. So he was like tapping his foot and bopping his head and really getting into it and clapping when little kids were doing performances for him. So he was walking like really quite slowly 
from the far end of the driveway all the way up to right in front of us, like within oh, probably within like three, four meters of where I was standing. So that wow. was insane. That was like the first time I was in that crazy fan crush where it was just like you were literally getting crushed mm-hmm. by fans and they were surging forward and, you know, the police were trying to make sure that people didn't break the barricades and stuff. And I was pretty much right one person in front of me and then the barricade was just in front of them. Right. So I was reaching close. Um, he had his hat on and a mask, but he didn't have sunglasses on. So it was awesome that we could see his eyes. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, it was so exciting. Yeah, that was a moment that I'll never forget. And then I went to the history concert. Whole other story for another time, mm-hmm. but I will have to dig out my ticket one day and put a picture up because I actually had tickets in the front row wow. for the history show in Perth, which I have to say wasn't the greatest seats because the stage for the so history high, tour right? was, was really high. <laughs> yeah. So you couldn't see stuff happening at the back of the stage. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'll have to find them. They're in a storage box somewhere. So, oh, and the, the peep, the promoter that was selling tickets had actually double sold my seat. Wow. So I had bought a package, which was like a dinner before the show. I was meant to get the program, a poster, this sort of three-course meal at the um, big fine dining restaurant at the casino, which is where this venue was, mm-hmm. and then the front row sort of package seat. And they'd actually double sold my seat. It was on an aisle. So what they did, and then they gave me a plastic like outdoor setting chair <laughs> and sat it next to the guy that would had a valid ticket in my seat. What? And I sat on this plastic chair <laughs> on the aisle um, for my concert seat. Wow. So that was pretty crazy. And like, how the hell would that even happen that they double sell a seat at the yeah. concert? But I guess you didn't, uh, uh, you didn't sit down for, lo- for long, right? Well, funny you say that actually. It took a good chunk of the concert before security actually let anyone stand up. Oh. Because in Australia, it's very different. Well, it was for many years, like nowadays, like Lady Gaga and Kylie Minogue, they have huge, like, sort of standing areas, like the mosh pit sort of section. Yeah. But back sort of in the 90s, that wasn't a very common thing in Australia unless you're at, like, a music festival. So everything was, like, these neat ordered rows of seats right up into the front row. Wow. So, and security were like, you know, sit down, sit down, because the people behind apparently couldn't see which is like crazy. Um, and so we were trying to get up and dance at an actual Michael Jackson concert, but security for a good chunk of the show at the start were like, you have to remain seated. Yeah. So that was a bit disappointing for, you know, the, the control of the crowd like that. Mm-hmm. At least you had a clear um, view though, right? If you were on the aisle, you could have a, you had a <laughs> yes. clear view. <laughs> yeah. So looking at the stage from memory, the, the catwalk from the history stage jutted out uh, and that was on my right-hand side, and then I was sort of probably in the first block on the left of that catwalk, and then my seat was on the, the left-hand side, so the left aisle of that block of seats. Right. 
it's hard now to remember stuff that far back. And especially since we, you know, we watch so many like YouTube videos yeah. and concert videos, it's like your memories sort of get muddled and it replaced. It blends into one. <laughs> it blends into one. It's like, well, what did I actually experience and what did I see with my own eyes compared to what did I see on a TV? Yeah. So, but the uh, for front row to Michael Jackson concert was pretty awesome and I'm very grateful and blessed to have had that experience. And then we did go back to the hotel when he left Perth. We sort of arrived there by public transport, literally uh, probably within five minutes of him, uh, right, like appearing at the top of the stairs, waving and then dashing down the stairs and jumping into a car to sort of speed away. But, yeah, I was there for that farewell as well, but it was just such a lightning quick thing. That's awesome. So really? I haven't got as many experiences as you, but I think <laughs> in anyone's life, like uh, when a big thing's happened and it's the biggest thing in their life, that's that's how it stands. Like those memories and experiences are there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're all different and they're all, they'll have their, their pros and cons and good memories and bad memories and, but, but they're yeah, all good. That's our, our experiences and hope you guys enjoyed listening to those. Almost forgot that we were doing a show and just I could still, I've got, I've still got lots of stories, but yeah, we'll, oh, be, well, we'll be here till save next them month. For when you're back, <laughs> I'll save, save them for, for next time. Back. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing all those those experiences. I loved hearing them, especially the World Music Awards one. I think, yeah, you know, after seeing it reported so differently, and then just even seeing those little clips of footage that were televised um where he was just so glorious and basking in the adulation that he so deserved I, i'm so grateful that you could share that story of actually experiencing that moment my pleasure so we're going to head into our finds of the week did you want me to go first or did you want to go first with our finds of the week um i, I can i can kick it off i guess yeah, kick it um, off because you're going to be educating me. Educating. Um, well, my pick of the week, I guess, is the the Wesley Snipes interview on the Tonight Show uh, with Jimmy Fallon. Cool. I think that happened last week, um, which is really cool because he he I haven't seen Wesley Snipes on screen for a long time, and um, he was one of my favorite actors, and I love his movies, and I and I love the Jimmy Fallon show, so it was great that I was watching that and. Um, and Jimmy asked him at some point uh, about the Michael video, about how he ended up in the uh, the bad video, which was his first uh, yeah. real acting gig, wasn't it? Yeah, well, what a what a gig to land! Um, his first gig, and uh, it was really cool to get his perspective. I know there has been a, a quick behind the scenes clip floating around somewhere that I've seen, but haven't really heard much about that video from any from him directly and um wesley was saying that uh, you know he auditioned next to hundreds and hundreds of, of of guys who wanted to get the role of course and um obviously martin scorsese liked liked his vibe and liked what he was doing with the character and uh, he got the role and um and he had nothing but good things to say about michael you know he said that he would uh he would do it all again if he if he was asked to do it and uh, he said that Michael was a great guy to work with, a really talented dude, and uh, and uh, and then we said a really funny story that um, that I, I think we've kind of heard about online. 
I think maybe Martin Scorsese says it in the Bad 25 documentary, actually, that Michael kind of at some point um, got a little weary and perhaps a little scared from from being in Harlem where they were shooting the, you know, the scene where he's walking at the beginning of the extended video. Yeah. Uh, Wesley Snipes was saying that at one point Michael turned turned to him and, and, and basically just asked him, you know, are you scared? And just looked, <laughs> just looked at him like, no, are you? And he's like, yeah, a little, aren't you scared? And he's like, no, 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 it's, it's all right. So that was, that was a really cool story to hear. And, um, Always great to see a positive story on um, on, on Michael's work. That's so, so cool. We'll, uh, we'll make sure we get the um, – the link. That, so I imagine that, that link's on YouTube. Yes, that's on uh, – I think so, yes, yeah, on the Jimmy Fallon uh, awesome. channel. So if you can pop that link in the show notes and we'll have that there for everyone to go and check out on themjcast.com. Yes. So well, how, well, what's your pick? So, Mike, it took me ages to decide. Like, I've always got a couple of things up my sleeve, but I'm like, oh, will it fit this show or not? But I was like, well, I actually did something this week that I caught up on. Um, we're not the only Michael Jackson podcast out there, and we wouldn't claim to be, you know. We would, so credit where credit due. The other Michael Jackson podcast that I enjoyed listening to is by Who Jenkins. So on Twitter, at Who Jenkins. We've spoken about Moonwalk Talks before, but um, I've just caught up on the last two episodes this week. It's sometimes really hard to keep up with podcasts like it is with TV shows. So I caught up with the last two episodes of Moonwalk Talks, and they are so funny. So I just wanted to make my find of the week, um, Moonwalk Talks, and just the last two episodes of his because they were really funny. And, yeah, you guys should check it out. So he spoke – in episode eight, which uh, was in August, the episode went, and I think I've actually just hit play, so I'm going to stop that in case that was in the show. Um, so Moonwalk Talks, <laughs> episode eight, was Michael Jackson video games, and he had his brother uh, sort of co-host with him, and they were playing like the old um, Sega Moonwalker game and the Michael Jackson arcade game. That came out in the early 90s and they sort of like just sort of live blog them playing these games and you hear the cool music and stuff like that. So that was a really fun episode. That's about an hour and 13 minutes long. Um, and then the episode nine was actually a, a sort of like a short episode, uh, about half an hour, and it was like a Prince and Michael Jackson episode. And it's funny that your cool. find of the week was about Wesley Snipes playing that role in the bad film because in this we sort of hear about Prince's original sort of involvement in right. the bad project when he was approached to duet and then in the video he would have actually been sort of that role that Wesley Snipes played. So, But, of course, that never went ahead, yeah. so they went and re, sort of recast it and re-sort of rejigged the plot of the video, I guess, a little bit to just have this other dude play Michael's... <laughs> um, not really adversary, but friend. Yeah. Wow. So that sort of came up in this uh, episode nine, which came out on the 23rd of September episode of Moonwalk Talks. So we'll pop a search uh, iTunes. It's on iTunes um, as Moonwalk Talks. And then moonwalktalks.com is the website for Who Jenkins' Michael Jackson podcast. But, yeah, that was my find of the week. It was good to catch up on those. He doesn't do them – as often as we do, 
um, they're generally not as long as our huge, long, waffling episodes <laughs> that we tend Sorry, to guys. do. <laughs> we hope you enjoy it. That's what the pause button's for. <laughs> Come back to it later. <laughs> Make it a two-parter or a three-parter if it's too long. <laughs> we get carried away. <laughs> um, but, you know, sometimes it's maybe quality over quantity. I don't know. I really enjoy them in Walk Talks. He's a really funny guy. He's a rapper. Um, and he's just, yeah, he's really very street sort of Michael Jackson podcast. So that was my little catch up of Moonwalk Talks was my find of the week. So we'll have the links for that in the show notes as well. Great. So we got a couple of thank yous. I'll quickly get through these. Um, wanted to thank Dorita Ozeris for always being the first to like our posts on Facebook. Um, she's always there. Click ready to go she's always the first one to press like so thank you dorita we really appreciate that sandra fake us on facebook for the show feedback from our episode 16 thank you so much um diana which is at heron v96 from mexico thank you bruce aguilera on twitter thank you very much and we've even got a little tumblr thank you thank you for our tumblr listeners um i have been very busy sort of studying for my exams and stuff at the moment so i haven't done much on tumblr but um over at tumblr thank you to private hour thanks for listening and giving us some feedback on the show um and of course we did discuss the say 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 alternate mix in this show so shout out to mike deasy 100 over on twitter yes sir we certainly did hear it and thank you for like bringing it to our attention and we were happy to talk about it on the show um, also to Sandra De La Vega Anderson, thank you for all the Unity updates. Um, send our love and respect to Tony and the artists for the Unity project. Um, we hope that maybe you get some sort of recognition for the Unity album because we love it. Um, a shout out to James. You know who you are. We don't always include you in the thank yous in every show, but this show wouldn't happen without you. So thank you, James, for everything. We love and appreciate everything you do for us andy thank you for that email that we read out on the show about the um the details of the thriller track that was really awesome to sort of get that clarity about um how that sort of came about so really appreciate that insight and that we could share that so yeah i guess the last thing we can probably quickly discuss as we wrap the show up is Janet Jackson has a new album. It just dropped like yesterday. Yeah. And I got it today. It's so I had to, oh God, is he going to hear the husband's home? I had to come up with a ruse to keep the car so I could go and get the album. Today. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've got to do the grocery shopping, <laughs> Go do the, which I did, which we had to do, but I yeah. went and did that and oh, okay. I got the album today. And um, so the album in Australia is a, Oh, how many is it? Like uh, 18 tracks or something? It's got like, because in Target and in HMV and stuff overseas, they go, oh, here's two bonus tracks if you buy it at these stores. Um, but I yeah. think the Australian version actually has those tracks as standard. Right. So it says side one and side two. Yeah. And then extra tracks, promise of you and love okay. you for life. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That's and uh, the, the release over here is in a digi pack. Yep. So it's the cardboard cover, yep. Same and here. the and the picture is her looking off to the side, 
with a hand mm-hmm. on her chin and a hand on her cheek. Yeah. That's so what we have as I, well. I, yeah. Okay. So I, I did tweet that um, that I was listening to our Queen Janet. So you've heard some of the album. You've heard the album. Well, yeah, I got it yesterday, but I didn't. I didn't get back home until sort of late. Um, I haven't had time to listen to it all. I think I've listened to all the way to uh, Dreammaker. I think so. It's just over oh. halfway. Um, so we'll listen yeah, to the whole thing. Yeah, that's the first track on. Yeah, first track on side two. She calls it. Yeah, uh, Dreammaker slash Euphoria, and that actually features Michael. Yeah, it's that's got right. Samples yeah. of Michael in it. Yeah, so I started listening to that, and then I I, I stopped because I had to do other things. But I will definitely blast it out today and uh, check it out. So, what you've heard so far? Thoughts? Um, very cool. Um, I think the songs that she's released initially are very classic Janet, that sort of R and B Janet, the sound that we all know and love. Yeah, uh, with freshened up sounds, obviously. Um, and then I was quite surprised to have to, to hear some of the other ones like uh, um, I'm not sure like sh- should have known better or after you, after you fall. One, some of them are like really kind of energetic, more modern sounding, club ready type tracks, which are which is really cool to listen to her voice and those, that type of music. But I think they've done really well with balancing that new modern pop sound with her old R and B influence still in, intertwined in, 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 in that production. So I think they've done well. I'm quite pleased with it, actually. I, I really like the, the, the record so far. How about yourself? Perfect description. I think um, I'm going to completely agree with that word you use, balance. It is such a beautifully balanced album. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I would describe it as balanced and solid. Like, so I've listened to the album today and I listened to it on a good sound system mm-hmm. in um, our lounge room, not in like, you know, my iPod headphones. It wasn't downloaded off iTunes. This is the actual CD quality I listen to with really good speakers. The production on this album is awesome. It is such incredible production. It sounds just perfection. It's so well produced. Um, so that was like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Is that who produced it? I believe so, yeah. Oh, it's so good. They did an incredible job. So shout out to them because it's so good. Um, I love it. I love, 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 love the album. I'm sure Jamin uh, was messaging me yesterday when he heard the album and about (laughs) what he loved. So I know he's going to be absolutely itching to talk about it on the show. Um, he, He, I remember he messaged that he absolutely loved the song Night which is on side one. It's this track yes. before No Sleep. Yes. And, yeah, that's a real – there's so many good songs. I can't just say I love this one song. There's so many good night. Like you said, is a great song. I think Should Known Better is an incredible song. Um, Damn Baby is awesome. Um, the Dream Maker Euphoria song featuring Michael is incredible. There is uh, – there's just so many good songs – um, and it's got such a good balance, like you said. It's just, I love it. There's not a song on this that I would skip. I don't feel there's any, oh, like, filler on this album, for a lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Like, every song is solid, every single one. And those songs that almost are like club songs, mm-hmm. they're ready to go. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, they're, they're going to have remixes and stuff, but these songs are ready to go if you want them in a club. It had me dancing around the kitchen when I was getting lunch ready. Um, I had tears at some point. Like mm-hmm. I had welled up eyes from emotion just to, to have Janet back. Well, not that she'd really gone anywhere, but it's been a while just to have a new Janet Jackson album of this quality playing and in the physical copy in my hands. It was good to feel that sort of emotion again, like to have this awesome there's so much Jackson stuff happening at the moment and it's all so good and so positive. Yeah. It just got to me a little bit and I was, I just, um, Oh my God, I'm getting teary now. I, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I totally if, understand. It's, 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 it's awesome. <laughs> I just think when I listen to it, I think if Michael had heard this, yeah, he yeah. would have been so proud yeah. of his little sister. And that's, Times like this when something awesome happens that I think Michael misses out on this now. Yeah. He's not here to hear this incredible art that his sister put out on this unbreakable album. Yeah. Like Michael doesn't get to hear that. And I just think if he had heard it, you know, we all know he loved the song The Knowledge and loved Janet's music and danced to it, you know, in his studio and I just think he would have been blown away by this album. And it just makes me really upset that he doesn't get to experience it. Yeah. But I'm glad that we do. And if you're a Janet fan, I can just share your feelings of how awesome this is. I've got like every one of her albums. Um, and this is, this is one of her best albums ever for sure. It's such a solid and balanced and beautiful, incredible piece of art. So, I'm sure a lot of you out there are jamming to it and enjoying it just as much as us. Yeah, definitely. I hope everyone gets a copy or streams it or whatever. It's uh, it's it's a good one. <laughs> it it's is a good incredible. One. It's some of her best work, I think. Um, tomorrow, I can't wait to play it again. So, yeah, go get it. It's on iTunes. Go get a physical copy. The booklet has so many beautiful photos from that shoot, the album cover shoot. She's so beautiful. Oh, my God. The whole Jackson family is just so gorgeous. And, um, yeah, it's a great photo shoot in this booklet. It's got all the lyrics in the booklet, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I was a bit surprised that – or maybe I missed them – that I didn't see uh, thank you notes or anything. And usually I, she leaves know, like a little thank you notes, you know, to producers or well, whatever. Well, um, at the end of the album, there's a quick thank you for everyone that made okay. this possible. Okay. Um, but that's it. It's like three seconds – and no, you didn't miss it because there's okay. I can't find anything in the book either like that, and I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because usually all, she yeah. had pages of it. Yeah, and it's great that it's, it's uh, released under her own label now. Yeah, Rhythm Nation. Records it is or... Rhythm Nation Records. So in Australia, it's distributed through uh, BMG Universal. Yeah, yeah same. Um, so it's yeah, awesome. So happy to end the show on a high note like that. Um, yeah, Unbreakable Album, Janet. Congratulations. It's or it's already number one. Yeah. Which is awesome. So well-deserved. Um, the, the song No Sleep continues atop the adult R&B charts for a sixth week as number one. I think that's broken her own record. It's slower so, on the album, right, No Sleep? I thought I felt it was a little slower than the single. I will have – 
to check that. But I'm not sure. I felt a little slower. Um, the rap is on featuring J. Cole. I'm yep. assuming that's the rapper on the album version. Yes. So, oh, it's such a good album. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's so, so damn good. Janet, It's I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. If you want to come on the show and talk about it, we'd be quite happy to have you. So there you go. So, Dan, thank you. Thank you again for allowing me to yap and uh, share my oh my god, I <laughs> share loved it. my my stories and uh, for having me on the show. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Thank you so much for sharing those stories, for being such a great co-host, and of course, you're the technical director today. You're like you're the one that's doing all the technical stuff, yeah. recording. You're going to do a quick edit and we're going to try and email this to Jamin and hopefully he can upload that um, ASAP if he gets a chance and if he has good internet wherever he currently <laughs> is. So thank you, everyone, for tuning into the MJ Cast. Um, email us at themjcast at iCloud.com. Head to the website, themjcast.com, for all the show notes for this episode 17. Uh, we'll be back in a few weeks' time with Jamin, and he's going to have probably a few stories of maybe Michael stuff that he uh, come across on his Europe travels, and it'll be great to hear from him and those stories. But uh, thank you, everyone. Dan, any parting words for now? Do you need to direct anyone to any profiles or sites? Um, uh, you guys can find me on my, on my website, I guess, uh, danvijelobos.com. Uh, you can tweet me at vijelobosdan on Twitter. And, um, if you guys still check out forums, uh, my friends over at historycontinues.com are still doing a great job. Uh, what else? Uh, definitely go check out the new Janet album for sure. Um, and the new Jermaine song. And Jermaine song. Yeah. And the 3T Boys EP. Yes. So much stuff. And I oh look God, forward to hearing, to, to hearing the reviews uh, or seeing more footage from their show in the States. Yeah, and go, go listen to uh, the theme song at least and maybe the EP, yeah. but definitely the theme song because I think you'll really enjoy the production of that. Check that out. So thank you very much again, Dan. Thanks for what you're going to be doing with this recording to get it over to Jamin. Really appreciate that. We hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll see you again soon. Thank you all for listening and I hope to hear from you in the email or on the social media. But thanks again. Michael on. Michael on.